Hello and welcome to episode number 290 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good man, pretty good. It's a nice little surprise this week. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been fun times these last few weeks. Obviously we got to talk about a very fun uh, new horror movie on demand last week. Mm-hmm. Um so you- want to check out us discussing fresh um but this week we're back where we always want to be we're back where we belong yeah um which is seeing original horror on the big screen that's what we want more than anything um and it's always a joy and especially yeah, a movie like this x um which we've been looking forward to pretty much since the turn of the year when we obviously discussed um this movie and ty west mm. sort of big return to the horror genre um so yeah we will get into it shortly um but first there's just a little bit of news this week um a couple of dates really uh for things that are certainly on our radar um the first one of course being the new scream movie um oh, obviously scream. i thought scream i thought has... journey had ended for a little while no 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 um <laughs> yeah scream has dominated the news obviously this year um it coming out making a shit ton of money we talked about that and how it was always gonna get a sequel unsurprisingly it got the announcement and as we discussed in the announcement the only thing it was really missing was a date um and then randomly we then get that what a couple of weeks later mm-hmm. um and it's quicker than you might have uh predicted um certainly is for me um my prediction was january 2024 so i thought it'd be like two years between the movies um turns out that was the, the return of ghostface is a year away um because scream 6 will release in theaters on march 31st 2023 um which is a insanely quick turnaround um, for said sequel. 14 months, obviously, between the two films. I think it's obviously unsurprising because the movie did so well, mm. as we kept discussing, and, and they always want to strike you know, while the iron's hot. And if this is a flop, doesn't really matter because they made so much with the last one. you know. And if this is an even bigger hit, great. They're going to churn out another one. That's just the way it is. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting. Obviously, it feels quick um because we've only just seen the last one there was obviously such a huge lead into the last one obviously that was the biggest gap we've had between screen movies um prior to the the one this year and so for then getting like the one of one of or if not the quickest turnaround in screen movies seems very bizarre um but yeah i mean what what are you feeling are you excited for more scream because obviously we did enjoy the last one yeah, I'm pretty excited. You know, I think it hit more than it missed the last movie, and I think it it has a potential to hit even more. That they've kind of, you know, kind of established things, and um, you know, uh, the 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 turnaround is a bit worrying, but also, you know, m- money talks, and if if they throw enough of a budget at it and they have a script, then why can't the turnaround be quick? You know, I think the the script is the big question mark, and, yeah. and how. You know, if if there was already a seed of an idea and if the writers already knew where things were going and there was an already a script on the table, you know, we lived in a world where we were getting Saw movies every year and for quite a while they were consistently absolute bangers. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, who the hell knows? And yeah, I'm, I'm but I'm excited to see more Scream for sure. Yeah, that's definitely where I'm at is like, the script stuff worries me because it feels too short but like you say mm. it, it's maybe not as bad as it is on the surface obviously they got scream done early mm. like i remember talking about it being in the can 
six months ago you know so or even more than that so it was yeah. it was done and they kind of they nailed in that january release date for a reason because they they had a feeling that it would work for the movie and it did and they had that movie ready for a long time and so you think that obviously in in the process before release that they would have probably had a lot of ideas i'm hoping that they had multiple rough drafts of potential mm-hmm. sequels and then this kind of last what five to six weeks um off the back of obviously the movie doing really well at the box office was them basically just honing that script um because i think they are going to start shooting around uh, in the summer um there is one um, kind of cast announcement as well, which I'll just quickly mention. Um, now, some people might think this is spoilery. I don't think it is because we're talking about Scream. Um, this doesn't mean that would, said character lived yeah, or anything Jamie like that. Kennedy like appeared exactly. in Screams after his character perished. So 100%. So that is <laughs> that is within line with Scream. Anything can happen in the timeline. So don't I, I don't consider this a spoiler. Um, and yeah, so yeah, Courtney Cox has confirmed that she's returning um which i think is interesting because as we said after the back of the last movie we liked the new characters so much and Mm. uh, and just not to go too much into it but like i'm glad a lot of characters that i really enjoyed can be in the next film um because i think there's really good potential for those characters and i also want to see that like i think we've gotten too especially with scream we've gotten too used to just okay the legacy characters are the only ones that will return Mm -hmm. and um and then we'll constantly have these new casts and whilst it is great and obviously the new movie will yeah the, the new movie will need to have fresh faces but i did like that this at least this last movie you know incorporated judy from scream 4 and like it did it feels like it wants to have more continuity other than just free characters yeah um which i think is important like there is a whole host of characters from this year's scream that i really hope is in next year's movie and hopefully loads of them will get killed in really brutal ways um who knows some of them might be the killer we're at a period now as well where scream is at a transition Mm. like you say the longest break between scream four and five that what we've ever had and it's the first one that's non-craven yeah. So, you know, they they had to treat that extremely carefully and um, give those legacy characters time and due to, to not piss off us hardcore fans and everything else. But I kind of feel like now, you know, if, if Scream can be good, and I think it was good, and it would be great if it can continue to be good, I'm up for multiple Screams. I, I love the formula. I love just Ghostface, and I love that side of things. And if you can just... You know, the beauty of that is that anyone can be a killer and it can be set anywhere with anything and it can be so loosely tethered to what the original thing was. You know, we could we could just have a screen movie where it's a stab fan that's just obsessed with the stab movies that goes off and does it. Um, and it doesn't need to have any association with the other legacy characters. And I think that's what I like about the world of Scream, that it's not this, you know, we're not we're not tethered to a mystical you know, Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger, we're not tethered to to someone so specific like a jigsaw so that we kind of, when that character dies, they're then trying to like crowbar in all this extra history and lineage. We're just, it's just a mask and a legacy. Mm. And I think that's, that's what I enjoy about this character and how it could develop with, with future movies, not just one movie, but movies, how the, how the franchise could continue yeah it's cool i'm I'm looking forward to it, like i say I'm, I'm glad i think they earned the right to make another one after the last <clears> one sure. and like you say i think 
it's cool because they were very respectful as they should have been but i do think there is more potential potentially for scream 6 to just be like okay we know that you can be you know respectful and make a worthy sequel let's just make whatever movie you want to wait and you know make now um so yeah i'm looking forward to this hopefully we'll hear more um about it in the coming months um and then next up, this is just a very small one. It's easy to forget this even exists. I know I have. Um, and it, it is weird because it's something that we should be very excited for. I just don't think we've really talked about it much in terms of excitement. But obviously, there is another Resident Evil project um, on the horizon. Obviously, we had a lot of hype and excitement going into Welcome to Raccoon City last year. And, you know, we very much enjoyed that movie, um, all things considered, is this kind of weird, um, you know, adaptation of multiple games um, mm. and scenarios crammed into a movie that somehow worked more than it didn't. Um, but obviously, Netflix are doing the first ever live action Resident Evil TV show um and we kind of we've only really had like a casting announcement and like a very brief synopsis um and that's still what we've got except for we now have a date um which is relatively soon um so this will come on netflix on july 14th this year um which for those keeping track yes that is the same month as part two of stranger things new season um oh and also jordan peele's new film um so we're gonna have a pretty busy july um (laughs) which is also i think when our 300th we just spent a month reviewing wes craven movies and and then all this (laughs) shit drops in july (laughs) exactly um so yeah it's it's cool but yeah the I'm I'm in I'm very intrigued to see what this is. I think because we've seen so many different films and animes and all these different mm. things based upon Resident Evil, it's cool that we're now finally seeing a, a live action TV show. Um, I just don't know what the hell we this is going to look like. We don't know much about like plot or anything though, which is the problem. Yeah, I mean, what we do know is is weird. Like it's it's a completely fresh concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it's centered around like the daughter of Birkin. It's set in twenty thirty six, so it's set in the future, and it's but just not Sherry. No, it's, it's Jade Wesker. Right. Um, oh, so, oh, is... so... oh, okay, yeah. The, the plot synopsis is fourteen years after a deadly <laughs> virus caused a global apocalypse. So this is yeah pure post-apocalypse which is interesting i I will say for resident Mm -hmm. evil there isn't much of resident evil that takes place like after a major apocalypse Mm. um jade wesker fights for survival in a world overrun by bloodthirsty infected and insane creatures in the absolute carnage jade is haunted by her past in new raccoon city by her father's chilling connections to the umbrella corporation but most uh, mostly by what happened to her sister billy so it seems like it is going to be this like dual narrative that mm. I assume they're going to keep flashing back to like pre um apocalypse and then post. God so that's it. cool. I'm kind, um, of, I'm kind of excited. God damn yeah, it. I think I think this sounds up your alley. But yeah, who knows what this mm. is going to be? This is eight episodes as a series. I think it's it's cool that we're seeing the complete different approach to what we just got with the movies, which was pulling as much from the games as possible, Mm. pulling these super niche references like itchy tasty (laughs) and all these like weird things. Only the hardcore are going to get this is, this is that you shot in the game. Like this is, this is the opposite approach. This is let's make resident evil as broad as possible. It's Mm. a brand new story that you don't have to know anything about. It's just, Hey, you want to watch this poker apocalyptic show on Netflix? Hopefully it's good. Mm. Um, um, and it has the Resident Evil name, and occasionally I mean, the, they'll say Umbrella. I, I just, I feel like with the video game live action world that we've had, when they try to do that, it's when it fails the most. You know, mm. it's kind of like when you see 
the Uncharted movie recently, and I, I can't pass judgment on it because I've not seen it. But like, just just the fact that I haven't seen that movie kind of speaks, you know, for itself because it just felt like where it was trying to appeal to the masses, but kind of be like, oh yeah, you should really know like what Uncharted is if you watch this, but we're going to try to pretend that it appeals for the masses. And it's like, you can't appease both audiences. And that's with a, that's a franchise that's very much simplistic in its plot and set up and everything else. When you get something as deep as the, the, you know, the lore of Resident Evil, it's like, well, you've either got to go like really deep into it or you're not going to, you're not going to switch on to the hardcore fan base. So, yeah, yeah Resident Evil <clears throat> Resident Evil is I think one of the hardest things to pull off in terms of an adaptation. The only thing I can think of which I think is harder is Metal Gear Solid and the reason why yeah. is because tonally they are so unique. Like mm. if you try and describe to someone what Resident Evil is as a video game franchise, it's it's all over the shop from really serious brutal horror to some of the most wacky silly stuff I've ever played in a video game, like mm. punching boulders to kill bosses and and these crazy slow motion knife fights. Like it's it really toes the line between between serious and just ridiculousness. Mm. And uh, that is one of the things about Resident Evil that I love and I do think is so hard to translate to another medium. Um, so especially right, coming to a show like Netflix. Yeah, like I mean, coming I mean, to a, like being it, a Netflix it, it, show, I just don't know how you achieve that. Like I just hope it has a bit of a sense of humour is I guess what I'm getting at. I, yeah. I never want Resident Evil to be full full serious even though it can be and it can be great i think that's it though you know i, I just don't think it it's it, it, it struggles very hard to be american made i think and, and that's why yeah. it's, that's my struggle for so long i think if it was if it was more of a j-horror you'd be able to get that quirkiness coming through i think a lot more yeah for sure um but yeah we'll see obviously i'm well, mm-hmm. i mean we'll probably do a show on this because it's resident evil yeah. and there's not many things in horror that we love more than resident evil this is, um, this is true a- apart from the fact that it's uh around the time of strange things and jordan peele but yeah, well, it, it definitely it definitely won't be in july i'll tell you that much <laughs> um but there's always the slow august and september period when we'll need time. when we'll need something like this mm-hmm. to get our teeth into um so yeah it's a good problem to have there's some exciting stuff upcoming uh but yeah shall we talk about a very exciting movie that we saw over the weekend let's do it let's talk about x So yeah, as I kind of uh, briefly mentioned, I feel like there's only one place to start with this little movie. Um, We're going to have our Thai West discussion. Of course, um, (laughs) because we've kind of had it in Parson in the last few weeks, Mm -hmm. but we need to have like a firm discussion on this man um, (laughs) because obviously his horror career predates the podcast. um, And I think he was one of the most, most talked about most hyped and probably most maligned horror directors at, at a certain point mm. um when he broke on the scene um so this was like his his movies were his big free horror movies were 2009 2011 2013 and i think as i've said in, in previously like that was a time that was not a good period for horror mm. um there was not many cinema horror releases the ones that you got were the most generic shit ever like there, there isn't much from that 
it's like obviously there was sore and a couple of other things but there just wasn't much around that era that i think holds up too much i think i think um, Saw did such a fantastic job of breaking that era because yeah. i think you know when when we had the the scream kind of renaissance and we had the mm. the, the the slasher movies there were so many, you know, when people are like, oh, Urban Legend or something like that. I'm like, Urban Legend's a banger of a movie. Yeah. And I'm like, th- there's loads like that. And when you look at even like the post-Saw and we then got into Conjuring and um, Paranormal Activity with all of those spin-offs, those spin-offs still achieved what they needed to. It wasn't our wheelhouse in horror, but they still mm. they still achieved that jump scare. But I think with, with Saw all of the copycats kind of took the things about, you know, the things from Saw that's like not actually what you really like if you love Saw. You know, it really focused on the torture porn aspect of it. And and, and that wasn't what Saw was about, if you're really into it. You know, it was about Jigsaw and it was about the characters and the story and the interweaving and the reveals and the mystery behind it. And I think and I think that's why that the Saw spanned a subsection of films that shouldn't really have spanned from Saw and it kind of just left the horror horror world in a bit of a weird situation in those kind of late, late kind of noughties. Yeah, and I think it was mainly just crying out for an identity because mm. there wasn't, like you say, a bunch of filmmakers that felt like they had true identities. And so I think when you... And so Ty West was along with a few guys that were kind of breaking through and they, mm. they made indie movies that people that were in certain horror circles that were desperate for new horror were clamoring for this sort of stuff you know new ip young new filmmakers that were going to be the next wave and and pick up you know from the kind of classics and it is interesting because what happened then has a hundred percent happened during the the course of the podcast as we keep discussing like the last five years has reinvented the genre more so than the last 30 years in my opinion you know with these true horror auteurs with real identities making such unique and incredible stuff um and as we've talked time and time again about the Jordan Peels, the Robert Eggers, um, the, you know, the Mike Flanagan's of this world, um, they've really changed horror for the good. And so I think that he was in a weird spot because he almost got pushed too soon, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I, but well, he I, was he was in a good place and then he just he just evaporated. So, like, that's what's weird about this. And he he made three movies that were kind of the big three. He did also make Cabin Fever 2, which yeah. I don't even know if I saw that. Um yeah, the same it. year. Yeah, the same year as House of the Devil. But obviously, so his other three movies, like I've not seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might have only seen them all once. I might have seen The Sacrament twice. Um, but I remember thinking pretty much the same about House of the Devil and Innkeepers. I think I liked House of the Devil slightly more. I liked House of the um, Devil more. Yeah, but I remember not being a fan. I remember not liking Innkeepers. I, I just found it very boring, and mm. especially because I, it had been handed to me seeing the reception of the horror crowd at the time. Yeah. So it was very high, highly regarded. So I had a lot of hype and excitement going in and just it not living up to it. Um, but I remember really enjoying The Sacrament, where I was like, I totally get where people are coming from with this guy now, and mm. I think he's a really talented horror filmmaker. And then... He just didn't make anything for the very long time, obviously. So what what did you make, I guess, of those sort of free movies back then? Yeah, well, I think as well, I think Cabin Fever 2 was a weird one because it really doesn't feel like um, a Ty West movie. Yeah. Um, it was really over the top and kind of quite quite violent in places and just kind of, yeah, it, it was a decent 
sequel I remember watching. Like it wasn't, you know, of one of these kind of extremely low budget sequels that existed. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't awful. Um, but yeah, of his actual kind of standalone movies, I'm I'm pretty much the same with House of the Devil and Innkeepers. I don't go far on Innkeepers. I really didn't appreciate. Um, found it far too slow with absolute no um, conclusion that, that was satisfactory. I also felt like the two leads in it that were kind of the driving force of that movie, I just really didn't get behind. So I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of that. House of the Devil, I definitely enjoyed more. I think it had a lot of kind of good setup and better characters, but, but again, ultimately was just too long in the tooth before it got to the to the meat on the bone and kind of you know at that point i i kind of thought ty west wasn't for me because i kind of you know he was renowned for being the kind of master of the slow burn and all mm. of that and like i'm not against the slow burn like we do we do talk a lot about runtime and everything else on a movie but if a movie's slow and it gives the payoff i have no problem with that whatsoever but i felt like at the time he wasn't getting the payoff yeah and, and, and yeah, I, that that completely changed for the sacrament for me. Which yeah, I, I really enjoyed the sacrament. I think it, um, you know, touched upon a, you know, a subsection that was really um, something that I enjoy and like to see. And I think kind of they they nailed it with the whole cult and kind of how they got in and and how it kind of you know unwinds more and more and more. You know, not not dissimilar to midsummer and you know i think kind of that was you know definitely his best work to to date before seeing this new movie and and yeah kind of him produce you know putting that movie out there and then going away from the genre for so long was a shame because i think you know he um has just done so much tv in the last what nearly 10 years i guess yeah, he's when, done when one it? other. Yeah. He's done one other movie um, called In a Valley of Violence, which is right. apparently a western, um, which I've not seen back in 2016. But yeah, other yeah, than I've that, obviously, that. he's not done a horror movie since The Sacrament nine years ago, and mm. it's wild because yeah, he has been busy doing TV and stuff, but this just feels like such a long time coming. I wonder if maybe the pandemic slowed it. Obviously, maybe he was mm. like right on the edge of releasing something in 2020, um, because yeah, he just seems like. It was almost like the wrong guy at the wrong time. Yeah, I think I think if he came out ten years later, he would have he would have took off like a lot of the other names that I'd already talked about. Mm. Um, and he just was making movies at the time. Like this was pre A twenty four, and I think that was what was so interested immediately hearing about X that A twenty four were behind this because it was a match made in heaven. Yeah. Like before even seeing the movie, I was like, he was making A twenty four stuff before they were even a thing. Yeah um and he was the precursor to the slow burn weird horror and so i think yeah he was always a match made in heaven we've seen other people take what i think were elements that he did very well and just take them to a whole other level you know with movies like hereditary and movies like midsummer and the lighthouse i i think he must have seen that and been like those are the type of movies that i wish i was still making yeah um and yeah, that that brings us to this movie obviously his Ooh. big return um so x. yeah what is what is x about Oh, what is X about? Um, <laughs> so we're in 1979, I think it said at the start. Yep. We're in, yeah, the late 70s and a group of young filmmakers um, set out to make a uh, 
porno in mm. the middle of Texas. Um, they've basically, what is it, a group of five of them, six of them, six of them. Six, yeah. Yeah, three couples, basically. Yeah. Um, are, yeah, they've rented this barn or this not even barn what is it it's kind of a converted barn on this farm yeah um like a little holiday on house out, on the outside yeah it looks very much like a barn but then on the inside it's it's nicer quote unquote mm. than what it looks like on the outside i mean it's yeah there's like a living great. there's a yeah, living quarters and beds and stuff there. you could stay there <laughs> um yeah rented this yeah this 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 converted barn on this farm as kind of like a weekend getaway and the owners of the farm don't know what they're actually going there to do, which is to film a porno. And, um, yeah, the, um, the, well, the very opening scenes of the movie kind of, kind of shows what happens, kind of the aftermath of the movie we're now about to see. Um, and I'm touching upon that because that's normally quite a bugbear of mine that I don't like. Um, but actually for this movie, it really worked for me. I thought the opening scene was first of all, beautiful how the opening scene started. Oh um, yeah. That was so cool. It was incredible. We, it, it, the camera angle kind of is from inside a barn. And as it slowly kind of goes out of the barn, it, it slowly expands into the widescreen and you get to see the full frame of, what's going on and kind of as it was expanding i was like oh there's a police car oh there's there's this there's this and like when it fully expands to the full scene it was like absolute chaos and it was just beautiful that execution really really stood out to me is when the movie began i was like oh shit ty west is like good at this stuff isn't he <laughs> but it completely got me as well because when yeah. you first see it in like that 14 by 9 i was like mm. oh, okay that's interesting and then when it slowly did that typical pan out to wine screen and then mm. i realized like oh no this isn't an effect this is like a physical shot you know yeah, using like you say the physicality of the barn coming out of the barn but yeah yeah and it just oh that was just so cool it was really beautiful and it and, it, <clears throat> and that worked for me and then i think actually like us seeing like the aftermath really set up things later on in, in particular the basement where like there was a lot of hype around the basement because of how the opening scene kind of played and i won't go into that anymore right now but i think that um that worked a hell of a lot for me and and worked m much more than it has in a hell of a lot of movies where we get this opening scene that's you know the end of the movie if you like and and that's kind of I find that normally frustrating. Um, mm. But yeah, then, then we kind of actually pick up the, the, our group of six as they're kind of on the road heading to the barn. And it, it, it was very reminiscent of um, 31 and kind of that whole journey. And um, But probably like with, with more likable characters instantly. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I remember when we first watched 31, I kind of thought to myself, I don't really like these characters. Like, whereas, whereas, I, you know, I did kind of like all of these characters, really, and and you know, for what for what they were worth in different respects, and and yeah, it kind of set that up really well. And then we get to the farm, we meet the kind of owner, and and straight away he he just hates all six characters, and he and he he calls them out on it, where he's like, I really don't like you lot. Like, <laughs> I don't want you here. I don't like you but I guess I like money. So yeah, give me the money and just 
get gone in 48 hours or however long you've hired the place. Um, <clears throat> and I think that kind of sets up the rest of the movie when, yeah, they're then filming their porno. But at the same time, the farmer is just kind of disliking them and, and not, not happy with them being there. And then we kind of get introduced to the farmer's wife as well. And she's kind of, you know, strange and, and a bit of a recluse that we don't really know. You know, he kind of says, it's like, just stay away from my wife. And then she's kind of shrouded in a bit of mystery as to why stay away from her and, and, and you know, and why is she kind of keeping out of the way? And, and yeah, the, the rest of the movie is kind of unpacking what, what the hell is going on with the farmer and his wife, but also, you know, them making this porno and, and, and how that, how that's probably going to go wrong with the fact that the farmer's there and doesn't want them there, let alone he doesn't think he doesn't know what they're up to currently. Um, yeah. and yeah, it's an appetite for disaster really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but an appetite for a disaster with a load of people that like to be walking around naked <laughs> in particular, the, 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 the lead bloke in the porn, I think, was he called Jackson? Yeah. Like, he, he's pretty much not clothed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> took big chunks of this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that's, that's the, that's the plot. Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to go into your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I can do. Um, this movie is just wild, like <laughs> right off the bat. Like, it's a hard movie to even get across just how weird and wild it is, mm. unless you've seen it. Because even though it's about these people making a porno and then obviously it's a horror movie, it's very hard to just capture the overall tone yeah. which is extremely unsettling um pretty much the entire time um once they get to this farm mm-hmm. you're just expecting the worst at every turn <clears throat> and i think that was something that ty nailed in this movie um as, as someone who obviously has this kind of slow burn reputation mm-hmm. and you, you know you could uh, this is what's weird about that and, and again i just don't know if that's the way my own views of these types of movies have changed, which I know they certainly have definitely since his last movie, but even more so just doing the podcast is like the first sort of 45 minutes or whatever it is without really any sort of major horror was still, it still felt great and was a very entertaining horror film to me um, because I was so on edge, um, very unsettled, and just this overall sense of creeping dread that was kind of like slowly getting closer to these characters. And you just knew that. And I think maybe like what you said, the opening scene helps with that because it shows you something so graphic early on there's almost like no worry that shit isn't going to go off at some point. And so then think, as a viewer, I'm just waiting for it to happen. It. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think that's why I mentioned it because I think this movie nails the idea of presenting a horror movie where the audience knows it's watching a horror movie. Yeah. You know, there's no false pretenses going into this. It's not, it's not like what the movie watch we watched last week where we kind of watched the movie last week thinking, is this going to be a horror movie or not? And mm. what should we do? And, you know, we had that, um, uh, what was the other movie I'm thinking of? We saw the cinema. Um, uh, oh, but Nightmare yeah, Alley. Nightmare Alley. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Like the same, same thing, you know, whereas this, this doesn't pretend for a second. It's not a horror movie. And the opening mm. scene basically says, yeah, you're going to watch a horror movie. And, and the, the intrigue and the kind of, you know, the excitement of it is 
you've you've seen the end of this. Let's see how we get there now. And and I think that's what it does so well that when when a character kind of eventually says like an hour and ten minutes into the movie, can you go down to the basement? You're like, oh shit, don't go down <laughs> to the basement. You know, and you kind of know, you know, watching a horror movie, when when is going down into a basement ever ending well? But but this really nailed the fact that it was like, oh, yeah, it never ends well. And we know categorically it's not going to end well in this scenario. And I think yeah. I think that's what this movie does really well is just, yeah, really just tells you straight away. This is a horror movie. Yeah, well, this movie is in some ways like weirdly self-referential as well, which is something that I wasn't expecting um, because it is a movie about making a movie. Mm. Um, Obviously, it's not about making a horror movie. It's about making a porno. But like there are so many different correlations between the two, um, especially setting it in 1979, Mm. where their kind of entire... Yeah, like their entire goal for doing this is like, I mean, he's almost like a time traveler, how spot on. I think it's Wayne, um, who's like the producer or like the financer. He's like so, he's convinced that like video, you know, at home video is going to be the future. (laughs) And as we know, like was a very good, bold (laughs) assumption that he made. And had things not gone south, he probably would have been a multi-millionaire or billionaire um, because he nailed it. And so I think that was, and obviously what we know is that that was through in real life that was through porn and through horror movies Mm. was like those were the things that people wanted the most at home um and so yeah there's just all these correlations between the two and so, so i think that's why it works so well like it's it's an interesting premise because you get a lot of these kind of like wacky, silly sex scenes throughout the movie, mm-hmm. um, which are just like these. They're all, they're again, they're almost like parodies of old porn. Like some of the soundtrack in between, in particular, <laughs> where I was like, "Man, where has Ty West found this? Like, he must be an expert in this specific genre because he, he they just nailed like yeah. that old hilarious yeah, you have to be a soundtrack." True auteur of, of yeah. like low budget porno (laughs) (laughs) and also there was almost like a love for it in a way like this is almost like a love letter to that because because again it's it's told from the story of the filmmakers and there is an admiration to for that in in what they show Mm. where it is like here's this skeleton crew everyone's doing a bit of everything literally like that's what ends up what happening where pretty much everyone is doing every job at some point in time during the making of this film and that's just the way it was back then and we all just wanted and we all just did it for the fun of it and and that's like movie making in general so i yeah i just loved all of that i think it tied the whole (laughs) film together and it definitely tied this core group to together in a really interesting way that like you Mm. say i don't it made them so adhering to me like like, they shouldn't be but no i liked them all like i literally liked every single character in in different ways um and that's rare in kind of like especially a a horror movie that's set kind of in a different period there are typically your lead and then like a lot of throwaway characters but like i really liked everyone and i think that was important as to why when the horror happens in the second half it had so much more of an impact on me because i was like genuinely gutted multiple times when characters got killed um because i was like oh man like they were good like i get it it was a cool kill and it, and i loved it in the moment but then i had this like sadness that i was like oh man i don't get to see any more of this guy anymore um so i think that worked as well and i just think overall I mean, the level of directing on on display here from Ty West, like he has learned a lot 
since his last movie. Oh, yeah. Um, because, yeah, I liked The Sacrament. <clears throat> I think this is just on a whole other level to anything we've seen from him previously. Um, and, yeah, like, there's another part throughout the movie when we're getting this, like, almost side by side at times these two different correlations between them shooting these scenes in the porno that mm. aren't the sex scenes and uh, uh, mixed with something else that's going on in the property and how they kind of mirror one another and it was just so clever the way it was executed where they were telling us what was going to happen next in the scene before they even showed it if that makes sense yeah. because it was just perfectly mirroring each other and just Stuff like that. He, there was some. There was parts of this movie that I've just never really seen in a film before. Yeah, like parts of that doesn't need to exist for this to be good, mm. but it just takes it to a whole other level. You know, it's a yeah. bit like Soho when it's like yeah. some of the things that they shot in Soho didn't need to be done that way, but because yeah. they were done that way, it just elevated it. And and that that yeah, those those double kind of scenes where the where the yeah the screen is split in half were were executed to perfection for sure definitely like he like you say the this this already had enough going for it they had a fun story it had really likable characters a brilliant cast and then i think just an overall sense of dread and then really good horror when it happened but then add to that just all of these interesting techniques and and so many different shots like these overhead shots that were just stunning um really like you say he really blew me away from a director and standpoint that like i've not felt this way since i saw del toro direct nightmare alley where i was just almost in awe of what i was seeing on the big screen mm. and i just have to give him so much credit for that let alone the fact that he obviously wrote this as well um and i just think this is a super original concept um executed brilliantly and i will we'll get more into i guess the horror and unpack stuff but um overall i absolutely love this this was like i was excited for the movie Mm. but it was almost just like oh it's cool that he's back and it's a big screen horror um this movie was phenomenal like i absolutely adored it it was everything i wanted to be um and yeah it's it's his grand return i'm just so glad that he was what i wanted him to be if that makes Mm. sense where i kind of had a feeling that i I wish he'd have been part of this crowd the entire time and now i'm just disappointed that this this isn't like the third ty west movie that we've we've talked about for the podcast but thankfully he's here this is movie is awesome (laughs) and long may it continue because i want to discuss more of his movies for the show hell yeah yeah man like i'm equally as blown away by it that this is the realization of what what people said ty west was and then I watched Innkeepers, and I was like, "Not, not on board." This is this is what this is what the promise was. That it was just this. It is a slow burn, you know, and and it does take a long while to get going. But throughout the whole hour of this build up, it's great character development and really yeah, grown to love this group of characters in this kind of wacky adventure they're on. But this build-in terror that, that at all times is is prevalent, and I think I think that's you know that's the definition of a great slow burn for me. And then when it happens, it happens hard. And I think um, you know I think the the way that they made the characters you know so so likable, and you, you know you can root for them, even though you know that's weird because you wouldn't have thought that going in, mm. you know. And I think it is because they they really do like you say make a um you know make the the kind of minutiae and the law around making this porno feel genuine and when they are kind of filming it and the you know and and they want to change it and just bring in more characters into the movie itself um 
you know, they basically just say, you know, well, it's a porno. Who cares about the plot? You know, yeah. and kind of just, just, you know, really make it kind of, you know, like I say, tongue in cheek in some ways, but, but also that's what it, that's what it is, you know, and kind of the, um, um, I can't think of her name now, the kind of the, the star of the porno, uh, was she called like Bobby or something? Oh, what the, like the, the proper main one. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, blonde yeah, one. Bobby, yeah. Yeah. She, you know, she was kind of brilliant as a character where she's just like, you know, God gave me, you know, this, I'm, I'm not going to waste it sort of thing. And I think it's kind of like, you know, having this whole group as a bunch of people that are just there to make a really good time. Like I get it that that world can be quite seedy and victimized and people doing it when they don't want to and, and everything else, but that's not all what it is. And I think the fact that they kind of, you know, this movie just decided to say, no, this, these six people are just all completely happy with the life choice and are all fully on board with it and therefore going to have a good time and just enjoy it, make this product, make money, and they're all happy with that. And I think that that's fine. That's not saying that that's the industry as a whole, but no. this, this, these six people, that's what this story was. And I think that made them just all likable characters. I'm so glad you mentioned that because it is it can be so easy to think that when you tell a story about a certain scenario or a certain group of people, it always needs to be like the 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 representation of that overall. Mm. And I think that, yeah, most of the time this wouldn't be told this way. It would show perhaps a more seedy side. Perhaps people would be very, yeah, yeah, people being taken advantage of and and stuff like that. And it would make more sense to do that in a horror film. But like there was something that and I think that's what I expected ultimately going in yeah, i expected sense. there to be certain reveals about characters but the fact that tonally it was consistent with these group of six which it was just pure fun um and and they were all in on it and they were all having a great time i don't know i'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of the biggest positives i took from the movie was like yeah i think some people are going to be annoyed at that but this is just these six people like you don't need to look at it any deeper yeah, this is their story this isn't this yeah. isn't saying every every porno that was made in the 70s has this have this has this tale no, of course not. um you know but but yeah and i think and i think that's what made the character so likable and I think I think that that worked. And then, like you say, when when we got to the horror and and characters start to go, you really, yeah, like I say, there wasn't one of them that I was like, yeah, they deserved it. You know, no, I loved I, them I all. I liked them all, and it, and it was sad. I think as well, mm. um, like, the, you know, you touched upon the, the the split screen shot and the opening shot of the movie I spoke about, but there there were a few scenes that really you know just shows where he's at level wise with with the craft i think the the lake scene with the crocodile mm. early on when we have a character kind of swim in and we can kind of we get this like overhead drone shot of the the crocodile and then her swim into the docks and like it was ridiculous because it came out of nowhere that scene mm. there's no need for that scene to really exist but it but there was so much tension in that scene that i was like genuinely feeling my heartbeat and when as they kept panning back up to the shot and being like she has no idea and it's just it's just close 10 feet on her and yeah. like it really was a, a a really great unexpected scene for this movie and like i say it doesn't doesn't really need to be there um but it just added some great horror and i think you know it's it, it seems like that but um added suspense and added kind of this you know um yeah horror you know but not not anything actually happening but just suspense um that that slow burns need 
and kind of, you know, when we have these um, haunting movies that frustrate us because every scene that that is a um, jump scare is a dream sequence and it's inconsequential to the movie. Like, no, that actually happened. Yeah, it, but but it was just a random thing that happened, and it just kind of you know it was a nice way to get some horror into that opening half of the movie. And I think kind of those are the things he did really well. You know, when the um <clears throat> when they're first introduced to the farmer, and he's kind of very much like, "Who the hell are you?" and kind of pulls a gun on him. Like that was suspenseful, but also worked in the world they're in. And it's not just being like, "Oh, jump scare." oh dream sequence it's like no you can do a slow burn but have horror sequences mm. that don't have horror consequences and i think i think that's what he also nailed and like i say i think you know it it was it was pretty much enjoyable all the way through i i i was satisfied with the conclusion you know and 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 there, there wasn't really anything that that was a real negative. Like, yeah, there are certain things you could possibly focus on, but there's nothing that's really springing to mind. I just had a, a really good time with someone who's making a movie that that's genuinely an incredible filmmaker. Mm. And I think, um, you know, with, I think it just shows that the bracket of, you know, people he, he is, in in producing a movie like this when we are talking about the the midsummers and you know the the jordan peele movies and that sort of thing and i think it's kind of you know he he's doing it on this a24 kind of micro budget as well and kind of in this world of you know producing this level of you know kind of camera trickery that we're comparing to a uh, last night in soho you know in certain mm. ways and i think you know um Granted, it doesn't have, you know, that level all the way throughout. But, it, it, you know, the other thing is it has a really good soundtrack, this movie. Yeah. And a lot of licensed songs in it. And again, it's like, man, like, how are they getting in there on such a such a small budget? And they work for the, for where it's at. Like I say, there's not, you know, sometimes with these, especially extremely low budget movies, you get something where it's just got a really jaunting soundtrack that just doesn't work and just is frustrating. And like... Yeah, you know, this reminds me a lot of kind of Rob Zombie as well. Like I said, when when it's kind of nailing these setups, nailing the horror, having a good soundtrack, but doing it on a really low budget. And it was just, yeah, for me, super enjoyable. It was a very strange cinema experience. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't see many movies like this at the cinema. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't pack its punches either way. I think when I... You know, when you kind of hear that it's a horror movie centered around six people making a porno, you kind of think, where's it going to pull its punches? Yeah. Um, and then this movie doesn't at all. Mm. Like, you know, and and, I, and how how that's then on the big screen is just, yeah, like I say, it's, it's a testament to how A24 got it out there, really, I think. Um, yeah, and I think, I think one of the biggest achievements of this movie is the cast is like, you have to get people that are willing to go there and mm. willing to go places as a performer because yeah you have to be you know doing all sorts of stuff in this movie whether it's sex scenes and nudity but then it's also you know really emotional torture getting into the right place for these sequences yeah. of horror to really pull them off and then obviously these insane violent sequences so this is like you ask so much of your cast they have to do so many different <clears throat> roles again we're talking about a 
the the cast is primarily very happy and upbeat throughout the mm. movie to then switch that into the real emotional raw terror when they have to and they all do it so well like th- this is such a good ensemble cast yeah. for a movie that only has you know about eight characters really um they're just all good and they're all brilliant they all bring it um and it really was one of the standouts for me of just how insane this cast is and especially learning more about what the cast did post seeing this movie (laughs) um because i also think this movie has insane rewatchability um it was almost the first thing i said to you after i watched it and we were kind of looking at the credits in the cinema i was like oh i already want to see it again now like knowing what i know at the end of it um because it's just such a well layered and put together movie that Mm. was ridiculously entertaining um and uh, yeah i already want to see this movie again um which is yeah there there are some movies that you see where i'm like yeah that was really good and i'm kind of okay you know with not seeing that for a while um but this Definitely. is this is something that I would love to rewatch as soon as possible. Um, yeah, and I yeah, really like, hope it has a fast turnaround to kind yeah. of you know I, it's not going to have a long cinema release, mm. and so I hope it gets a quick turnaround to to yeah straight to video. I hope we get like a beautiful A twenty four release of this oh. one. Like, give me the commentaries, give me the making ofs, you know, mm. give me give me all the Thai West goodness on this one because I'm all about Definitely. that. Um, but yeah, I think I think like. We obviously haven't talked too much, I guess, on the horror, but obviously, mm. you know, because we don't want to spoil it, but it is centered around like the farmer and his wife and kind of yeah. like their interactions with the group. And it was just, it just built. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, it built perfectly. Mm. And I think that it, it had, like, say, this foreboding dread that I really didn't know where this movie was going. Like, no, you, I know, didn't know you know, you know, who was going to kick off against who. Who, exactly where was the first punch going to be thrown yeah you know there's obviously going to be conflict and obviously they even show you at the start of the movie um but again i was like i just don't know where this is going like yes the farmer's acting a bit weird but i just don't really see what's going on here there's clearly some mystery with the wife we're seeing mm. all these like random cutaways to like this tv screen a lot and <laughs> maybe there's more history with these people um like it felt like especially the opening scene with um maya goff's character kind of sitting looking in the mirror um mm. before they leave i oh, felt yeah. like there was something going on early on where i was like oh i've missed some you know nugget of information here that's going to come up in the final act and mm. so not knowing what the thing was and what was going to be the reveal was so exciting to me and then when the movie did start to just go this movie really just go like yeah it's slow creeping dread build suspense i mean it's classic ty west mm. literally like i remember watching it and thinking like man ty west hasn't changed in so many ways which i'm so thankful for he's just gotten so much better at achieving what he wants to do as a filmmaker um because he had me right in the palm of his hand the whole way and then once he got to like oh shit's going down now shit goes so hard in this film like the violence is insane in this movie um quick as well yeah it's yeah you really don't get long to mourn these characters which you know for me it was tough because i was like really this wasn't just a throwaway oh yeah here's a bunch of dumb teens getting killed Uh, these were genuinely characters that i that i was fond of (laughs) getting killed in such brutal ways and then boom you're on to the next scene and and then oh guess what here's another character that you really like and now they're instantly in peril and they're probably going to get destroyed as well (laughs) um so yeah it was just unrelentless until the end and i felt like 
knackered by the end of it where i was just like man this was an ordeal that yeah it was it was classic thai west it was slowly turn that pressure cooker up until you can't take it anymore and then just let all hell let let loose for the finale um which yeah it just worked like a dream for me um i think the only the only slight negative i have is actually when i when we talk about the basement and Mm. so i really thought it was executed fantastically in the opening scene where they kind of you know i say literally the opening scene i'm talking about here where they're just like oh you need to go see the basement sheriff and that's kind of the point when they then flick to what happened hours earlier and just throughout that whole movie I had in my head, like, oh, shit, the basement. I'd, I'd completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't. And so the whole movie, I was like, oh, the basement's bad. Like, that's going to get real <laughs> bad. And then, obviously, when we got the violence and we got this, these kind of couple of deaths, I was like, man, they're crazy. What the hell's the basement going to be? <laughs> and then when we actually get, like, a character say, and it was really offhand, I think it was so deliberate, where it was like, oh, yeah, just go down to the basement, will you? I was like, oh, no. I was like, oh, this is going to be rough. And it really then, it it just wasn't what I'd built up in my head. Mm. Like, it isn't the craziest part of the movie. It's still good, but it's just, you know, in my head, I had it built up to be like, oh, shit. Like, this is is going to be insane. (laughs) It's so funny you say that because, like, yeah, I didn't get any of that. Mm. Like, I, I remember hearing that line. And then once we got to, like, what was happening, I just completely forgot about it. Um, and so, yeah, it's funny because I do think that's intentional, um, mm. especially now thinking back to it, how they do literally say like, oh, can you know, can you go down to the basement? And, and it's clearly lingered out. It's so like clearly long shot of the basement as she walks yeah. down. And I was like, oh, and like, she so doesn't clearly... turn the light on straight away. And then she does and there's nothing crazy. And then eventually... Yeah. Like, clearly yeah. that was intentional, so that mm. worked for you. But then it's funny that I do wonder if maybe it was also intentional that it was misdirection, that mm. there wasn't going to be, like, the craziest part of the movie, or, or I don't know. Like, that's where I'm kind of, like, confused what the intent was there. Mm. Um, because, yeah, I, I I didn't get any of that, but now thinking about it, that was clearly, like, on purpose. Because, yeah, yeah it's so purposeful in that intro to be like, Sheriff, you need to come down in the basement hard cut. Yeah. 24 hours earlier like yeah and that was why and how brutal that opening scene is as the police mm. officers are walking around like the fact that they cut at the basement i was like oh shit like <laughs> yeah whereas obviously like that's not the you know the showdown that's not where the movie ends which is where which is what i kind of thought was going to happen you see but but yeah like i said i think it was it it what we still saw in there you know i'm skirting around spoilers it still is a reveal and it still is you know, it was a reveal for the characters and it's kind of mm. a reveal for like the intent of of the characters as well. Um, so it still is something. But yeah, I just kind of it was a little bit like, oh, I thought, you know, <laughs> it was still pretty crazy. But yeah, I just I, I was expecting it to be, you know, really bloody crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we, we did actually have a question real quick, um, which I will, I will try and we'll try and answer it without going too spoilery, because obviously we're not going to throw up a spoiler warning. Um, but uh, Cody asks us, um, saw this movie twice and loved nice. it, which is fantastic. Um, what was your favorite kill in the movie? Um, wow. For me, and again, I'm not going to say obviously who it was, but the, the multiple stabbing sequence. Um, yeah, for me, for me, it was just so unexpected in the moment 
crazy how long it went on for and then just the way it looked was unbelievably brutal and i think that the the bar for stabbings now in films is like insane because i i still think that like lords of chaos is the most i've ever been affected by stabbing in a movie i think a really close second is possessor and i now think this is an even closer third where i think these movies just have i don't know there's something about it, it where it just feels for like years someone is dying like when you yeah like we've hit a point now where like i just think it looks almost too real mm. um because like yeah you had multiple stabbings and scream movies and oh my god there's a lot of blood blah 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 but like now we've hit a point where and i think that's the thing there's a frenziedness to all three what i've just described mm. which is when you watch any documentaries about actual killings yeah, or like, stabbings, oh, there's, been 30, there's 36 stab wounds it's not just 100 like, percent. There, there are two you know, no whereas, yeah like screen movie is just like one two done you know and it's, exactly you know you whereas you know that if someone's screen two and it's like one stab yeah. you know whereas you know now that if like as evidence is proved if you're in the mindset where you can kill someone like that you're insane and so you mm. just you're so hent up in that moment and i think all three movies capture that perfectly and yeah for me it, I mean, I think every death is valid. Like, if you yeah. said to any single one of the death, because there's another one later on that was so surprising because I couldn't believe how quickly it happened. But yeah, for me, it'd be that one. What, what would it be for you, obviously, uh, without trying to be too spoilery? I, I mean, I want to talk about a different one because mm. we've just touched upon that one, but I, I do think that is the one because yeah, um, because of where it's at in the movie as well. It really just sets up that, like, I think, you know, we... um you know, having seen Ty's previous movies, it's kind of like, how hard is he going to go when we get past the slow burn? Because, mm. you know, for me, the innkeepers just never really amped it up enough. And so when, when that happened and when it, you know, when it was as brutal as what it was, it made me think, oh man, like <laughs> the next half an hour is going to be wild. And it was. So I think, I think the placement of it was, was important. And then like you say, visually how, um, how it how you know how the color palette changes as the scene goes on i think it just it really it just looked you know so crazy and so you know i don't want to say it looks so good because it's it's so you know it was such a brutal scene but it was so brutal and, and just um looks so realistic but with this kind of beauty of the color palette as well being yeah. used and i think i think that those two together makes it quite you know quite unique you know when you talk about possessor and lords of chaos i agree with both of those but both of those just felt very visceral and real yeah all, yeah there's a weird beauty to this <laughs> whereas yeah there is a real weird beauty to this you know it's almost like the midsummer mm. uh you know cliff face scene where with the song and the, the tranquility the, there was almost a beauty to it and 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 yeah i think this is this kind of toes the line between the two and yeah i think it has to be the standout yeah for sure um so yeah before we get to our recommendations um obviously we talked about it in the news last week that there's like a prequel movie coming titled pearl um yeah me too um and obviously yeah we like it has been basically it's like there's a trailer for it at the end of the movie but obviously we waited yeah we waited until the end of the movie and there just wasn't anything um which is a little bit frustrating because we actually got what was supposed to be attached to the front of it um which was the teaser for 
for men um mm. obviously a24's next movie and i think the full trailer for that because that was what was wild seeing that in the cinema was it's only a teaser trailer mm. um whereas the full trailer for that drops tomorrow um so yeah we'll be talking about that next week which is again great to see that on the big screen and knowing that we're going to get that as again a, you know the mm. return of alex garland who is an incredible filmmaker yeah, so cool. um and obviously we got to see the trailer for nope for the first time on the big screen oh yeah which was also awesome so yeah it just immediately put me in a good mood seeing these trailers Definitely. for these movies that i can't wait to watch and then watching and our, an amazing movie yeah of course <laughs> um and yeah it was just a shame but yeah like i'm excited obviously we talked about it kind of in the news last week but yeah there's this prequel like we now know why that's called pearl um i think there is a hundred percent room for a prequel yeah. um, based upon the events of this movie. Like, yeah, it just writes itself. Um, and yeah, I can't wait. Hopefully we'll talk about it in the news, obviously in the coming weeks. Cause it seems like he's trying to get this out pretty quickly because yeah, it's so. done. Um, Cause yeah, I want to see this, who knows what capacity it is, whether it's, you know, cinema release, who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm definitely down for anything Ty West after this, let alone like I would, I hope this movie does well enough. Cause I saw like, ty west was talking about the idea of kind of building like this slasher franchise based upon this and yeah i mean based upon the strength of this movie go at it man because he, he just did such a great job um but yeah i guess recommendations um Hell yeah. obviously obviously recommend this movie like i said it last <laughs> week for fresh mm. how it was my strongest recommendation of the year so far because I think it was a great horror film that wasn't on people's radars and it should have been. Mm. And for that, and also they did a good job of hiding the horror. So I think just go in not knowing anything. This is different because this is a hyped movie, I hope, um, that people in the horror crowd will go out and see. But I'll also say again, this is the strongest recommendation I could give thus far because I quite simply think this is the best original horror movie we've seen this year. Um, and for that reason alone, you have to go watch this movie. Watch it on the biggest screen possible. Don't wait until it's at home. It won't have the same effect. The, the soundtrack, in particular, how beautiful this movie mm. looks. Again, like if you didn't see, um, I'm pr I hope that most people got to see Midsummer on the big screen. Yeah. CX on the big screen. That's what it was made for. It deserves to be watched that way. Yeah. It may it's a lot of sense after seeing X why it got the cinema run. Clearly, he pushed for it because it's definitely the best place for it to be. You know, I think I think sometimes with with you know some low budget horror movies, it doesn't matter so much. But this one, mm. yeah, one hundred percent, it places on the big screen. And yeah, I, I think that, that this is you know the most original horror movie, just straight up balls to the wall horror movie that that's come out this year. And 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 yeah, like. If you're a horror fan, you should be trying to check this one out. Um, that there's no question about it. There's, um, you know, if if you're not supporting kind of movies like this, then you know that that's that's what you should be looking for in the horror genre, as far as I can see. 100%. So yeah, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, absolutely no brainer. And yeah, I, I for one, you know, I I can completely see why Cody saw it twice at the cinema. I'm I'm kind of I'm very jealous of that, and I'm almost yeah to try and do it myself. It's it's not often where a movie does make me want to go to the cinema twice to see it because, like you say, quite often I I have my fill. I've seen it and I may love it, but I, you know, a, a Quiet Place was one where I'm like I I you know I love that movie, but I'm I'm happy to see it in a few months time now. But yeah, just this one kind of made me want to watch it again straight away. Yeah, it's just got that that level to it where I think on, on the surface it's a really 
entertaining slasher movie which is really fun based upon so many like the conversations mm. we've had about current slashes that have just honestly depressed me because it, it for a while it made me realize I, I think in the last year that i just wasn't that big of a slasher fan where i was like oh i was as a child and growing up but now i want more from my films than just yeah the kills were good and everything else was shit mm. um whereas i think a movie like this proves that no actually you can get an insanely entertaining well-written and most importantly well-made and well-directed original slasher um so yeah it's fantastic man I think it was is, movies like this just that, that i touched upon a while ago where i was saying that you know I, my love of slasher movies hadn't waned but it had got to the mm. point that i was so frustrated but every other subsection of horror seemed to be getting the the super talented people making those movies and mm. i was like why can't the the really great filmmakers make slasher movies and i'm just so happy that we've we're now getting some um because because yeah like i've i've always been a huge fan of slasher movies and and just kind of you know uh, even even a bad slasher movie i can take some enjoyment from over the years and mm. and yeah so now actually getting the these top at level horror filmmakers making you know just just um pure slasher movies um yeah it is 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 a dream for me definitely yeah it's a great time great mm. film um but yeah that was our discussion of x uh, we would take a short break and we will be right back So yeah, that is pretty much it for another week. Um, I have spent zero headspace or thought thinking about next week at this point. Um, <laughs> I watched I watched some horror movies. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> what did you watch? I um I picked up a nice little 4K release a while ago of uh, Arrow's release of Demons. All right. Um, and I finally got around to watching it in the past week. Um, I've never seen Demons before. I don't think you've seen it either, have you? No, I haven't. No. Um. It was it was good. It was um, it was definitely. Uh, I can see why people enjoy it because of uh, some of the imagery in it and some of the kind of crazy effects that happened in it. That that was by far the most enjoyable part of it. The actual kind of plot and and kind of you know sitting through the whole thing was kind of like it, it's it's fine, but certainly it's it's a movie of its moments where um you know you get you get these kind of um really good effects and really really good kills and then you'll just get like 10 minutes of just pure garbage of just <laughs> nonsensical characters just you know suddenly there's just a bunch of characters rock up and it's just like they're they're completely you know it's the the opposite of what we've just discussed really where these just characters rock up that i just i don't even want to hear them talk they're just so inconsequential and I'm just waiting for them to get killed. And, um, yeah, so it, it was, it was fine. It certainly wasn't one that blew me away, but, um, and, and the 4k also didn't really blow me away. I think mm. it was, um, it looked, it looked really good. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't know how much better it would have looked than the regular Blu-ray. Um, yeah. it wasn't like some of the things, you know, that we've seen. Um, you know, I, I think kind of, it's what I kind of said with the Hills of Eyes with the 4K, 
where I haven't seen it, but I personally wasn't clamoring to get the 4K because I had the Blu-ray and the Blu-ray looked really good. And I think that's probably the case with Demons. You know, Demons came out on the Blu-ray a while ago and I feel like the upscale's not, you know, didn't feel massive for me. But yeah, it was, it yeah. was good. Um, and yeah, the only other thing I was going to briefly touch upon was uh, almost almost through season one of Stranger Things on the rewatch, on the countdown oh, nice. to the new series. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's no need for me to talk about Stranger Things other than the fact that um, I genuinely think it might be my favorite TV show of all time. Like, <laughs> the, the more I rewatch it, the more I just, I instantly love it, man. Like, like the second that opening episode is, and we just see all these characters for the first time, I just get overwhelmed with the love i have for them all and like the journey i know they're going to go on and then like the the just the twists and turns of that first season and the the beautiful soundtrack and and how i'm just instantly blown away every time with winona Ryder and how she performs in that first season um and then how i know that the other characters are going to build like how hopper was going to build and everything else like i, I you know i, I just I, I struggle to find a show that i have more just love and happiness for than stranger things all around yeah the, the little the, just the soundtrack just makes me so happy oh it's, it's so good that we get to talk about new stranger things in oh, just I'm, so, a couple I'm, so, months. I'm so excited man like <laughs> yeah definitely like this rewatch is just it's got me to a whole nother level of excitement yeah i have zero doubts as well i think that's the thing it's worrying yeah because like we've gone into a lot of these big releases lately you know i think kind of the big thing with Scream was we had so much trepidation going into it, but I, I just, I just have nothing with Stranger Things. I've just got pure hype and, and expectation, like that. And yeah. and yeah, if it delivers, great. If it doesn't, I'm set up for a big fail. <laughs> I think again, like something like Stranger Things is. I think that's what we've started to draw the line with on this show: is mm. get excited for the people making these things, not just necessarily yeah. what the thing is. And it's like, well, we don't have any reason to to expect yeah. anything different because Everything the same, same. Yeah. yeah. And so, and that's why, like, all of the big filmmakers, none of them have disappointed me. Like, franchises have disappointed I, I love me because the announcement of Stranger Things as well. I yeah. love that they've got ahead of it and already told us what the roadmap is now for the conclusion. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think I think that's the biggest thing that's put my mind at rest because I remember when season three ended and everyone was like, oh, this could be the end. And I'm like, nah, bollocks is at the end. Yeah. But, but then part of me was like, shit, if this is the end, like, damn. Because you never yeah. know. And like, we, we don't know, obviously, with the announcement we've got, but it's the most concrete proof we could possibly have. And getting that ahead of the, the you know, season four drop in, I, I, I think was perfect. Yeah, we like you say, you never know. Like Netflix have done mental things in the past yeah. with cancellations. But also when you've got such a huge cast that is very young, who knows what those contracts were? Like maybe they signed certain deals that were like when they hit a certain age, yeah. they're not under contract anymore. They'd have to renegotiate and then, and then renegotiate. And, delayed, that, yeah. delayed that filming for two years. Exactly. So then you have an entire cast who now you're trying to renegotiate with. Who knows what could happen with that? Mm. So yeah, like I'm just... Like I say, I'm so thankful that we get more of this and we get more of it soon. Yeah, it's, we have so many things to look forward to this year and this is definitely one of the best ones. Like, I just, I can't believe it's so soon. I can't wait. No, no, me neither. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said before, no idea about next week. <laughs> I've, um, <laughs> We're to back, be honest, I'm, 
Yeah, well, the thing is, there might be some good stuff. I'm just, I just don't care right now because I've had such a good time these past oh, two weeks. We've had a great two like, weeks. Like talking about Fresh and talking about X has been brilliant. It's what the show is all about. Um, these new original horrors that are just outstanding, and it's just been a blast. Um, and so, yeah, I'll worry about next week. Next week, I'm on a high right now from these two movies. And yeah, it's a great time to be a horror fan right now. Like I say, at home and at the cinema, you have two amazing options of new horror movies to watch. That I would highly recommend recommend you check out both of them Mm -hmm. um so yeah great time to be a horror fan uh but yeah that was episode 290 uh thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone